0: This is the Nordic Asia podcast.
1: Hello everyone and welcome to this first episode of the COVID-19 podcast series. China is a country that frequently faces natural disasters and epidemics. Of all the major national hazards, such as floods and earthquakes, only volcanic activity is missing in China. For that reason, Disaster governance has long institutional roots in China, perhaps longer than anywhere else in the world. All China's dynasties and regimes have assumed disaster governance as one of the state's principal tasks. What about the Communist Party of China? Since it took power in 1949, China has suffered from several natural disasters disasters, and the SARS epidemic. Can we see any similarities in the responses to the current and previous disasters? Is Xi Jinping applying time-tested methods of disaster governance? Can we see any new features in the ways how the party state tries to manage the crisis? My name is Outiluova and I'm joined today by Lauri Baltema to discuss these questions. Lauri Baltemar is professor of East Asian politics and contemporary history at the Center for East Asian Studies at the University of Turku in Finland. He also serves as a director of the center. Lauri's recent research has focused on two themes, disaster management in contemporary China and online censorship. And his knowledge on these topics is very valuable when we try to understand the current disaster management efforts of China's Communist Party. Welcome, Lauri.
0: Thank you, Oti, and thank you for the introduction. I'm quite excited to be here today, Um, not exactly with you, but at least online connection to you.
1: Exactly. Um, In your research on disaster management in Mao's time, what kinds of general patterns could you identify?
0: Yeah, um, first a little bit about my research background. I've been, um, I'm a student of of Chinese politics, basically, and and in this, this context, I've been studying Chinese disaster management uh, as a form of governance and as a form of uh, politics during the Maoist time and, and during the contemporary era in, in general. And Maoist era came with a very peculiar uh, kind or type of uh, disaster management and then, which was basically based on the way the whole Maoist society was governed. And that's, uh, Uh, basically through campaigns, mass campaigns, which were an integral part of of Maoist governance. A a campaign uh, was an event or a a political program that was implemented in order to mobilize the whole population to attack a certain social evil or a problem or to generate general uh, social progress. And uh, this was done... as as the name implies, by mass mobilization. Every Chinese was mobilized to join into uh, a campaign. And uh, Maoist era witnessed hundreds of different kinds of campaigns, from local small campaigns uh, to massive nationwide campaigns. And these campaigns were then applied also when a disaster Occurred uh, would that be a, a flooding or a, a drought or or an earthquake and, and they were also used against epidemics or, or different kinds of vectors spreading uh, diseases for example um, uh, in a in a campaign typically the communist party concentrated all its powers and and all its uh, energy uh, into this one uh, topic on issue or problem and then uh, by providing a command structure, basically organized population to attack this problem through different kinds of measures, which it's so appropriate. If it was a flood, then the local population was mobilized to uh, dig uh, channels and and create and and consolidate embankments against the flooding. Uh, If it was, for example, an epidemic vector, the population might be uh, uh, mobilized to Uh, kill all the snails that uh, were carrying the disease, which happened when when the schizosomiasis was eradicated uh, from China in the 50s, for example. So this kind of a campaign mode of uh, disaster governance was very typical for the Maoist period. Um, And Actually, you can see it being carried out with certain variation even in, in the campaign against the COVID.
1: Yeah this really sounds familiar. Now uh, Xi Jinping has launched a people's war against the virus and uh, also he's directing or commanding uh, campaigns to mobilize uh, people at the grassroots level to uh, prevent the the, um, spread of the virus. Uh, Can you give some more examples of these old patterns in the uh, current COVID-19 response of the Communist Party?
0: yeah it's it's basically you can say that this is as, as i know uh, noted uh, modeled pretty much the old classical campaign mode of of disaster governance uh, the contemporary era brings certain uh, new aspects to this like technology which uh, probably we we'll touch a little bit later on more uh, but basically the organization of this campaign is is, is a textbook gaze of of disaster governance, and, and it is basically very similar to what happened during the Maoist era. That's basically, China has its own bureaucracy uh, that is supposed to deal with disaster. It has its own disaster governance man- uh, system, uh, starting from a newly established uh, ministry. And then when we talk about uh, the epidemics and, and, and uh, national health issues, it has its, its own National Health Commission. Which is which is in charge of uh, fighting the epidemic too. However, the, the actual uh, organization and leadership uh, behind this is provided by the party. Everybody uh, should be aware that China is a party state where uh, the, the Communist Party uh, exists as an independent organization within the all. Uh, state organization, administration organization from the central level to the local level. And it is this party organization that assumes command. Uh, It forms its own leadership small groups from the very top to the local level. And these leadership groups then uh, implement the policies that are then given to them uh, from the higher ups. And when they implement it, then they mobilize the local population at large do this. First, they of course mobilized the party members. Uh, the, the Communist Party has about 90 million members. It is a huge organization and it reaches to the very uh, grassroots levels. And then they mobilize different kinds of activists and, and other people in the local communities. The uh, contemporary era has brought some changes uh, too. Uh, during the Maoist era, the society was organized based on the Danwe system, the work unit system, this doesn't anymore really apply. Uh, the Danwe's have been more or less uh, run down uh, and therefore the new uh, grassroots level governance is based on, uh, especially in urban centers, in, in the, the uh, urban communities, and these urban communities have been constructing since uh, 2010, around that time, their own disaster management organization. In principle, they should have uh, uh, plans uh, at hand on how to handle this kinds of situation. They should have an organization with the, uh, uh, clear lines of communication and, and leadership. Uh, they should have members who have been trained in this organization to, to act uh, during the, the crisis situations. They even should have reserves uh, uh, to uh, to count on physical reserves uh, that they can uh, use in these kinds of crises, although uh, the well the regulations I've been going through and, and, and studied uh, mostly do not mention epidemics. So if they have resources, then they have maybe spades and and and, and uh, dry rice somewhere in reserve, but but not really face masks and, and and medicine. But nevertheless, the the, the Key point is that they have, in principle at least, organization that is supposed to take care uh, of this kind of mobilization at the very grassroots levels, and that's what we actually have seen, uh, witnessing in, in practice in Wuhan and other Chinese cities, where these uh, grassroots organizations have been uh, really activated and, and they have been acting uh, throughout uh, the, the campaign. So uh, the organizationally speaking, at least on paper, Chinese Party State is well prepared to handle these kinds of crises.
1: Yeah, we have seen in news pictures from these uh, men and women who stand at the exis- exits and entrances of neighbourhoods and residential complexes, uh, checking temperatures of citizens and, and and then also patrolling to ensure that public gatherings would not form. Um, but then. Um, if we look at the uh, SARS epidemic, so uh, what did the P- Communist Party learn from the SARS, and and what did they do? Or what are they doing now? Better uh, this time? Is there and is there a place for improvement, maybe, when compared with the uh, SARS?
0: Yeah, this is a little bit uh, little ironic here. It's, it's the SARS really uh, caused um, rather extensive changes to the uh, general uh, disaster governance in an organizational manner. Before it, uh, the epidemics had not really been uh, considered as a a, a key threat to to national stability, but after that uh, epidemics and other kinds of hazards that that may cause uh, disasters were taken much more seriously, and, and, and the Chinese Communist Party created a national system uh, to, to survey uh, health hazards, basically. Uh, local hospitals and, and, and health uh, authorities should monitor and, and report to the center any of these kinds of uh, events. of. Uh, unknown disease or known uh, serious dangerous diseases and and they have actually they created an online system whereby they were supposed to be able to inform the, the central government immediately through database on 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 occurrence of of any kind of this kind of hazards uh, so in principle they Uh, They they studied uh, the SARS epidemic and and, uh, the response, and and they made right decisions on how to respond to it. They created a system whereby uh, the problems that that, uh, were there during the SARS, basically the local governments covering up the situation until it was too late to to cover it up, and then it spread uh, internationally and and, and domestically until it disappeared for some reason.
1: Yeah, Yeah, please continue.
0: Yeah, well, as an epidemic, at least, it disappeared so that uh, it, it didn't uh, create such a scene and, and, and pandemic as, as, as COVID has done. But basically, uh, after that, they, they created this system of, of uh, how report to report the uh, to the center. And this system was in place even even in 19, uh, when, when the, the, this uh, epidemic started in Wuhan. However, it was not used or... Uh, because uh, of the other feature of, of Chinese governance and just the party state. That, uh, although there is this kind of a direct communication channel of, of health authorities, uh, the local party nevertheless supervises. Uh, you can enter whatever to the database, but whether you uh, push the button to enter to actually send the message to, to, uh, to the uh, central government, that is still controlled by local party. In this case, the local health authorities did dare to report, uh, or that's what we maybe have learned, uh, the, the, the COVID virus um, and uh, basically the, the system that had been created uh, because of SARS and as a response to SARS uh, failed to do its work. Uh, so basically there's an irony here. They learned a lot from SARS, but in the end uh, they didn't learn the basic lesson and, and and that the basic lesson is actually quite difficult uh, for the party state because uh, it, it goes to the very essence on, on how Chinese governance and, and politics is organized. That the Communist Party is at controlling on, on all the levels uh, from the center to the to, to the grassroots, and then it is the Communist Party then can cover up even if the authorities, the health authorities, would be willing to inform this to the. Uh, Central government.
1: Yeah, it seems that administrative and political intervention uh, is still uh, very pervasive to uh, professional work of medical experts uh, in hospitals and in general it seems that current leadership puts more emphasis on political correctness than the scientific expertise. But um, this is just my speculation, but um, if the coronavirus had developed a couple of years earlier the response might have been faster and more effective, because uh, and now uh, China's long-term goal has been to reach the level of moderately well-off society by 2020. And uh, the next year is the 100th anniversary of the Communist Party. So it has been of utmost importance for the party to create an impression of improved well-being and the realization of the Chinese dream. So might this specific time context uh, affect or have affected the uh, lack of dissemination of the information within China and given that you have also studied censorship in in, in China so uh, what would you say about this uh, my, my speculations uh,
0: certainly uh, you are after something something here and and, and uh, this general concern about political and social stability overrides basically everything in China and this includes also uh, and, and, and this basically informs the way the whole uh, episode has been handled. Uh, the censorship is really integral part of any uh, disaster management or not really censorship only. it's it's uh, what the Chinese term uh, public opinion uh, management. It's a combination of censorship and propaganda. which uh, are used uh, in combination or as a combination to to uh, basically, Try to control the public narrative about what is happening, and uh, this is a time-old method. It, it, also, the Maoist era disaster management, propaganda, and, and censorship were integral parts of it. I, for example, studied uh, the propaganda during the Great Leap Forward famine, and uh, I just have to say that this this uh, this propaganda made things just worse. It, it didn't help people to survive. It it probably uh, just uh, you know, help them to perish during the uh, Great Leap Forward. Uh, telling them that the priorities of such a uh, public opinion management is not really in uh, protecting the population from the hazard, but it is really uh, protecting the, the party state uh, from the repercussions of, of the uh, crisis. And in uh, the COVID case, we can witness certain phases of propaganda and, and also censorship. First, there was the cover-up, but that was a local one. Uh, but then, uh, starting uh, from early January, uh, the, the cover-up became more national, and, and then the propaganda narrative was that this is just something small, local thing that is going to away. It's not dangerous. It does it's, it, it doesn't spread human to human, uh, although it was already known that it does. So the propaganda was basically lying. And then uh, at the end of January, around the 20th, uh, the propaganda changed into the mass mobilization. It it became uh, a national uh, matter. Uh, People's Daily ran the the first articles on its first page recognizing the the virus and and the epidemic. And and then the narrative was about the, the heroic Uh, struggle of the masses uh, under the leadership of the Communist Party against the the virus. And after uh, it it became apparent that the virus is uh, under control, uh, then the narrative moved, and this happens around uh, mid-March at the latest, uh, to to praise the Communist Party and and Xi Jinping as its leader for their contribution and, and their sacrifice uh, for the people, and at the same time talking about the recovery and, and really trying to, to, to talk up the economy from the recession that, that this whole episode has caused and, and still suffering from it obviously. Uh, so the propaganda has, has had certain phases and, and it, it's very scripted and, and aiming at, at controlling on uh, what is said and, and how it's said uh, in service of, of the party state.
1: Yeah, an extreme case to uh, attempt to control the narrative was to deny news of the death of Li and Lian who was one of the doctors in Wuhan who raised the alarm of the coronavirus and then was punished by the local police for spreading rumors. However, however this uh, death created an unprecedented uh, reaction in social media and then the leadership had to change the storyline and now uh, China has declared him a martyr. Uh, but it, in your previous research the conclusion has always been that the party have has emerged as a winner and that the party has has handled the crisis the uh just fine and and uh, did everything right so do you see a similar outcome in this case uh, of the covid-19
0: yeah this is the outcome of the narrative and and this is exactly what is is being told at the moment that the virus uh, viruses under control. the party did it. Uh, hooray. And uh, basically, uh, it's difficult, of course, to say how the, the the viruses or the epidemic is going to develop, but the party will stick to its narrative and and this makes the situation rather difficult if there will be the second wave, how to explain it to to the people when when uh already Xi Jinping has has basically declared victory over the virus uh, so the the way the party manages the narrative is it, it it really is uh problematic it's it's not really based on facts or it's only on partial facts and then it ties the party to the uh certain kind of of reactions to the reality because Quite logically, if, if you claim that that there is no victory and, and, and everything is, is uh, returning back to normal, you really cannot but cover up the second wave if it comes. Uh, so I'm actually quite worried about this, uh, this uh, way the party has sort of uh, painted itself into corner. And and uh, let's just hope there won't be the second wave because the way the party handles it, it's, it needs to contradict itself if it wants to really handle it properly if it comes and and therefore the the situation i think is is rather risky at the moment with the present narrative that the party represents
1: yeah absolutely Um, we have talked about similarities between the current and previous disaster management efforts in china but then uh, what about the differences it seems that technology is now the biggest new thing in the management of the current epidemic and uh, china has a very tight network of surveillance cameras and China has also taken into use a wide range of apps and authorities also use location data to pin down persons who are potential carriers of the virus. And the cameras and apps have been keys to controlling the source of infection, to cut off the route of transmission and to protect people who belong to the risk groups. Um, And these, especially the apps are particularly interesting because we might have something similar in Europe soon. what would you say about these uh, technologies and their role in the uh, uh, disaster management practices now in China
0: yeah you're absolutely right that that if there is something new in the way the, the uh, party state has responded it is in uh, using the the technologies the online technologies the surveillance technologies and mass uh, everywhere abundantly uh, and that's something that really has become possible only through uh, last decade in still during the SARS epidemic for example although China was becoming increasingly wired uh, still uh, minority of the population was online and nobody had a smartphone back then obviously but nowadays the situation is different and the party has uh, developed a very sophisticated way of of, uh, surveying uh, online opinion what's happening online but also uh, using the smartphones as control devices of the population knowing their whereabouts who they are in contact with how long they are in contact with and, and, and these kinds of uh, things which are from the perspective of, of epidemiology uh, and, and controlling epidemics a rather uh, useful information and, and therefore China has had an advantage Uh, sort of uh, uh, by accident uh, in in, in controlling uh, the virus, putting these control uh, technologies that that were already in place or were easily developed based on on existing knowledge uh, to to control the epidemics. Uh, They are, uh, as as reported throughout China, used quite widely and and they've become part of, of, of everyday life uh, for at least urban chinese and I would say that that this epidemic may increase its acceptance of this kind of uh, surveillance uh, by the state in normal lives of, of, of normal, uh, normal citizens and, and therefore the, the epidemic will consolidate and 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 uh, and promote uh, the the control state that china is and and uh, Will certainly advance the technology that is being tested now used and tested as we speak there, so there will be this kind of, of consequences long term consequences uh, from the epidemic for china and and also globally, I would argue something that that uh, is obviously being studied about Chinese uh, experience is the use of, of this software. And, uh, and, and technology in general, technologies in general. And, and I'm sure uh, many countries will learn about these experiences and will apply them, uh, them to their own situations uh, and are doing it uh, as we speak. Although uh, one must say here that China is not the only country certainly which is uh, using these technologies uh, to track down and, and, and trying to control the epidemic. South Korea does that, of course, for example, and, and many other countries too, which are not uh, one-party systems.
1: Yeah, that's right. And, and, uh, but China seems to have a time-tested disaster management system, and uh, superior technology to prevent the spread of the virus. And, and as you mentioned, China is also offering its model now to other countries so uh, what would be your recommendation to countries that now struggle with the epidemic Uh, is the chinese model something that they should try something they should follow and uh, what negative and positive aspects of the model should they pay attention to when considering their own uh, kind of path
0: well this is a good question Uh, i think the so-called china model here is, is Something that is very difficult, really, to uh, take as it is and implement anywhere else, because it is based on the uh, very peculiar nature of how Chinese society and politics are organized into a party state and, and uh, with its peculiar organizations. But but certain principles certainly uh, can be studied there, and China is trying to promote the idea that. This kind of an authoritarian regime is uh, more able uh, to act quickly and respond quickly and promptly uh, in this kind of crisis situations. And thereby protect, better able to protect its, its uh, people and population than liberal uh, democracies. And, and here it uh, of course points its finger at the US. And we have to remember that this kind of uh, Chinese is propaganda. And it is mostly, most of the time, pointing at the U.S. Other Western countries don't really warrant uh, this kind of finger pointing. And America is certainly failing uh, compared to uh, to, uh, China. But then we have to remember that America is failing compared to many other liberal systems, starting from South Korea, which is a neighboring country, uh, Taiwan, uh, New Zealand, and even here in Europe, many countries, including Finland, are doing a pretty good job in comparison in, in containing the virus. Uh, so, this Chinese idea that, that, that authoritarian systems would be better suited to respond to this kind of crisis than liberal ones just isn't true because there are so many liberal systems and many of them have actually done well or even better than China in this respect. Uh, so we have to take this this free as as uh, uh, you know a uh, part of uh, of the ongoing uh, dispute or even the new cold war between China and U S where it is uh, in a right and proper context. Uh, otherwise, I I just don't see that the Chinese social model uh, or authoritarianism really offers much protection for. Uh, individual uh, citizens i would argue that probably people in author- authoritarian systems are worse off than people in liberal systems where information reliable information on what is happening is 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 readily available and where the uh, the governments are uh, responsible uh, to their citizens uh, on on what they are doing. There will be elections after this, and and therefore they really have to think uh, what they are doing, unlike in China, uh, where the problems will be just covered up and uh, the party narrative will tell um, eventually that there is a victory, thanks to the the Communist Party and its great leader.
1: All right, Uh, thank you, Lovely, for putting the Chinese model into context, and thank you for your time. And uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Goodbye. Until next time.
0: Thank you. You have
1: been listening to the Nordic Asia Podcast.